Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. The first time I stepped into the National Forest, the weight of its ancient majesty settled upon me like a heavy cloak. I was Officer Sarah Martinez, known for my dedication and no-nonsense approach to the job. The task at hand was seemingly straightforward investigating a series of mysterious disappearances within the forest's vast expanse. Assembling a team of fellow officers, we ventured into the dense wilderness with the expectation of finding lost hikers or campers. Little did we know that the forest held secrets darker and more sinister than we could have ever imagined. The air was cool and crisp as we set foot on the forest trail, 
or flashlights piercing through the gathering darkness. With each step, the trees seemed to close in around us, the atmosphere growing increasingly eerie. Equipment malfunctions became a common occurrence, radios emitting static that sometimes transformed into distorted whispers, flashlights flickering as if reacting to an unseen presence. Even the animals, normally so abundant, appeared to avoid certain areas, leaving us with an unsettling feeling of isolation. Brushing off these occurrences as mere coincidences, we continued our investigation, determined to unravel the mystery behind the disappearances. But as we delved deeper into the forest's heart, it was clear that something beyond the natural world was at play. The woods seemed to shift and change around us, paths becoming unrecognizable and leading us further into the heart of darkness. One day, while following a trail that felt eerily familiar, we stumbled upon a clearing unlike any other. In its center were strange symbols and markings etched into the ground, a twisted tapestry that seemed to pulse with an otherworldly energy. Nightfall brought with it an even more unsettling revelation. Strange lights danced through the trees, casting an ethereal glow that seemed to defy explanation. It was during those nights that I began to sense a presence, an ancient malevolence that watched us from the shadows. Whispers seemed to brush against the edges of our consciousness, words that were indiscernible yet chilling. My determination to solve the case transformed into a gnawing desperation as my team members started to vanish one by one. Their voices echoed through the trees, carried on the wind, and fleeting glimpses of shadows left us with a growing sense of dread. Fear had taken hold, and I found myself grappling to keep the remaining officers together as we faced an enemy we couldn't see. The forest had transformed into a labyrinth of terror, a place where reality and the supernatural converged in horrifying ways. It was in the heart of this nightmare that I came face to face with the source of the forest's malevolence. The spirit was ancient, a vengeful force that had been guarding the woods for generations. It fed on human souls, luring victims deeper into its domain to ensure its own survival. My investigation led me to uncover a history of sacrifices, a tale of darkness that had been concealed for centuries. Desperation fueled my determination to fight back against the spirit. Armed with knowledge of old legends and rituals, I and the few remaining officers unearthed ancient texts that might help us banish the entity. As tension escalated, we performed a dangerous and risky ritual, hoping to confront the spirit head. On. The climactic battle was a clash of both supernatural and physical forces, the forest itself becoming a battleground. Our courage and determination were pushed to their limits as we confronted not only the spirit but also the tormented souls it had claimed. As dawn broke and the forest's eerie presence began to wane, I stood among the wreckage, weary and battered. The spirit had been banished its malevolent grip on the woods severed. The surviving officers emerged from the ordeal forever changed, their belief systems shattered by the encounter with the supernatural. Returning to the city, I bore the weight of the truth, haunted by the memories of the forest and the evil that had dwelled within its depths. I knew that some mysteries were better left untouched, that there were places where the boundary between our world and the unknown was thin and treacherous. 
The forest's secrets had been exposed and purged, but the scars it left behind were a reminder that some darkness could never truly be banished. Randy and I were passionate explorers drawn to the allure of wilderness secrets. Our favorite spot, Bigfoot Mountain, nestled near Ripplebrook Ranger Station, carried the mystique of cryptid encounters. Eager to uncover the truth, we embarked on our spring exploration, braving the snowy landscape. March greeted us with a chill, but our determination remained unwavering. Equipped and enthusiastic, we meticulously scoured the area, seeking any sign of Bigfoot. Weeks passed, and May brought our reward. One misty morning, a faint chattering sound halted us mid-hike. Anticipation surged as we scanned for movement. With cautious steps, we ventured deeper, attuned to every sound. And there it was, the unmistakable footprints of a massive creature. Excitement coursed through us, fully aware of the extraordinary presence. Undeterred, our curiosity propelled us forward. In June, I stumbled upon a secluded area adorned with deep, systematic scratches, powerful claw marks. A clear sign of primal force traversing these woods. Fate had more in store during a solitary expedition. I reached a sunlit clearing. A hush fell, an energy filled the air, and then a glimpse of movement among the ancient trees. Bigfoot emerged. A towering figure cloaked in matted hair. Time stood still as we locked eyes, captivated by its power and beauty. In that fleeting moment, fear, awe, and respect intertwined. Bigfoot observed me with ancient wisdom, and just as quickly as it appeared, it vanished, leaving me in profound wonder. I spent over twenty years working as a ranger in Northern Carolina, where I encountered numerous strange and even gruesome incidents. During my time there, I discovered several lifeless bodies, thankfully all leading to the apprehension of the culprits by the police. However, it wasn't these killings that drove me to quit my job and never return. It was something inexplicable, something so peculiar that even now I question whether it was a mere dream, vision, or a genuine occurrence. Allow me to recount what I witnessed from the very beginning. It was the middle of scorching August, as the sun mercilessly beat down upon the ground. Few people visited the park during the day due to the obvious reasons. I detested leaving my guard hut to conduct a tour, as it would inevitably result in profuse sweating and feeling as if I were being cooked in a pan. By my third and final tour of the day, I was already exhausted, despite drinking copious amounts of water to combat the heat. I was aware that another ranger would replace me for the next shift. During my walk around halfway through, I started feeling disoriented and lightheaded. My strength dwindled gradually until I could no longer stand. Seeking respite, I settled under a nearby tree to rest and regain my energy. However, the intensity of the sun and the heat proved overpowering. That's when things began to appear surreal, as if trapped between reality and illusion. Tall, shadowy figures emerged from behind trees, moving aimlessly and at a slow pace. Immobilized and struggling to breathe properly, I sat there fixated on their eerie presence. Within minutes, an uncountable number of these figures had materialized. 
some seemingly rising straight from the ground. Initially, they paid me no attention, merely wandering around and emitting agonizing screams, reminiscent of someone being cooked alive. Suddenly, one of these figures noticed me and slowly approached, compelled to crouch due to its towering height of over eight feet. I was petrified, devoid of the strength to react. The figure's screams persisted without pause as it positioned itself beside me, placing its hand on my cheek. I began to feel an intense burning sensation, and consciousness slipped away from me. Approximately an hour later, my fellow rangers discovered me unconscious on the ground. They promptly called for an ambulance, and upon awakening, I found myself in a hospital bed. However, my relief was short-lived as I gazed upon a fiery red handprint seared onto my skin. The sight terrified me to such an extent that I had no choice but to resign. Understandably, my superiors and colleagues never believed my account. I can't say I blame them for their skepticism. There have been several reported sightings throughout Sedgwick County, all recounted by different law enforcement officials. Although such sightings are uncommon, they do occur. On October 17, 2010, another officer who was working outside of his usual schedule had his own unforgettable encounter. While patrolling the remote areas of Wichita, he witnessed something that left an indelible mark on his memory. A large horned humanoid unfamiliar to him came into view. The officer's report detailed the events that transpired that morning. At approximately 7 a.m., I received a dispatch call regarding a suspicion person at an abandoned residence. Upon arriving at the location, I found no one or anything suspicious around the house. Consequently, I followed tracks leading north into the nearby woods, accompanied by Sergeant A. As we tracked, I caught sight of movement along the east hilltop through the thick brush. It appeared to be a hunched figure resembling a person moving northward behind cover. I immediately alerted Sergeant A to be on the lookout for what I had observed. Sergeant A joined me inquiring about what I had seen as he approached. At that moment, both of us distinctly heard heavy footsteps originating from our ten o'clock position. Despite our careful search, we could not visually confirm the source of the sounds. Thus, we decided to head west toward our vehicle where better lighting would aid our investigation. The being, whether human or otherwise, displayed exceptional caution in its movements. Both Sergeant A and I glimpsed what appeared to be an extraordinarily tall figure, standing upright but hunched over approximately six feet in height. Its coloration seemed to be a grayish or possibly brown hue. As the being acknowledged our presence, it turned its head to the left as if attempting to conceal itself using the surrounding trees. Sergeant A asked if I had witnessed the same sighting, confirming that we shared the same experience. What we observed next froze us in our tracks. The being lifted its right arm over its head, revealing an enormous hand adorned with large black claws, resembling a paw but more akin to a human hand. Both Sergeant A and I were startled by what we saw. To our surprise, a set of large horns protruded from its head, reminiscent of those found on a goat or ram. The sight left an indelible impression on our minds. Curiously, no reports matching this particular sighting have been documented. However, the region has seen numerous accounts of Bigfoot sightings reported by fellow officers. 
One such sighting was reported by a deputy sheriff who responded to a citizen's report of Bigfoot activity in the area. When the deputy arrived at the location, I accompanied him to investigate further. As my partner and I approached, we spotted something standing approximately 200 yards away. The figure, with only its head and shoulders visible, appeared non-human. It seemed to be observing something either within the vicinity or approaching from the ravine. What caught my attention were the two bright eyes positioned above the surrounding vegetation. My partner exclaimed, It's Bigfoot. In an attempt to intercept the creature before it reached Highway 54, we sprinted towards an adjacent open field. Regrettably, we lost sight of it. My partner proceeded towards the location where we had last seen it, maintaining a distance near the ravine, under the assumption that Bigfoot might still be present at the bottom of our line of sight. However, my partner reported, I don't see anything. As we made our way back toward each other, we noticed a large, grayish figure peering down at us from an embankment. It seemed curious, observing our actions. The creature swiftly descended into a densely wooded area atop a nearby hillside, placing it in close proximity to the highway. Despite being deep into the open field, with no trees or obstructions obstructing our line of sight, my partner and I both had a clear view of the creature as it fled from us. It did not move like a human, but instead appeared to be running on two legs. Its speed was astonishing, especially considering its size. I have served in law enforcement for over 22 years, and nothing else has come close to resembling the events of that day. Apart from the evidence left behind, such as footprints, we were unable to capture photographs or videos of the creature. However, my partner may have captured some footage while we were pursuing what we believed to be Bigfoot back into the wooded area. Unfortunately, his supervisors confiscated his camera, depriving us of any visual evidence. During the encounter, I was in uniform, but without my body armor or equipment belt, which sometimes proved limiting during pursuits through dense brush. I have reviewed Officer B's sighting report, which describes encountering a large, upright, grayish figure roughly 20 feet away from him near Highway 54, just outside Sedgwick County, Kansas, on December 5, 2011. Coincidentally, this sighting occurred around the same time my partner and I were chasing a large, unidentified subject across the field. While we did not hear it running, we did hear something heavy moving through the tall grass nearby in a different direction. The sound was far too weighty to be that of a human. Although we did not regain visual contact, we remember seeing it about 150 yards away, looking downward. It was a day that will forever remain etched in my memory. My mother was born and raised in Texas, and she would visit her grandmother in Anna, Texas. This is a story my great-grandmother told my mother, and the mother told me. She lived out in the country and raised chickens and was a tough old pioneer woman. Her husband had died, and she was alone on the farm. It was the early 1900s. She had chickens being stolen, so she had a shotgun by the door to catch whoever or whatever it was. Once, she woke up in the middle of the night to chickens making a racket. She said that she saw a very tall, hairy creature standing on two legs in the pen. She blasted one barrel at the creature, and it turned to run. She shot at it with the other barrel. 
She insisted the story was true and had a peppered front porch railing and posts to prove it. My dad's brother had a cabin near Leroy, Michigan. He would take my brother and me to his cabin on many weekends during the year. When I was around 14 years old and my brother was 12, he taught us to hunt and fish and shoot guns. We never missed a chance to go with him as he had no children. He also had a huge German shepherd that was fearless. On one occasion we were walking on state land with the dog. It was the middle of the day in the fall. The path we were on led us around this small hill about ten feet high. We could see over the woods. Then suddenly it went quiet, but soon it sounded like a freight train coming through the woods towards us from the hill. The dog went crazy and it took every bit of strength my uncle had to hold him back. He went up there to fight whatever was coming at us. I think I could safely say we were terrified except for that dog. It was running on two legs with heavy pounding feet. The branches were breaking. Then, just as it should have come crashing over the little hill, it went completely silent. Nothing. The dog went quiet but kept looking at the top of the hill where this thing should have been. We waited for a bit. My uncle said we should go back. No words were spoken on the trek back, and it was never spoken of until I started watching your videos. There are a couple of old guys talking about an incident that happened years and years ago. My uncle's long gone, but I wish I could go back and ask him about that day. Back in 1969, during the winter, we couldn't get up the road to the cabin as the snow was too deep. We pulled over and pulled our supplies up the road in a toboggan. My dad's other brother came up with a snowmobile. We had fun until it was time to go. It was a Sunday evening as we packed up our things and trudged back down to the cars. It was dark and snowing, and my uncle had left his car keys back up at the cabin. I told him I'd walk back and get the keys. It took me about a half hour to get back up there. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods, for 50 to 80% less in similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. I grabbed the car keys and started to make my way back down the two, tracked through the woods. I had only gone a little way when I heard branches breaking, like something was following me down the hill. It was off to my right side, paralleling me. It was close, but I couldn't see anything. All I had was my hunting knife, so I pulled it out and began running down the hill, knowing any moment I was going to be attacked. I've never been so afraid. Just then I heard my uncle's snowmobile coming up the hill and his headlights shining at me. He had decided I was taking too long and pulled his machine off the trailer to find me. He passed me and drove up away to turn around. I was back at the vehicles when my other uncle came back. He asked me if I had lost my knife. I guess I had dropped it in the snow running down the hill. 
It should have been buried in that deep snow, but my uncle said it was on top and easy to spot. I never told anyone what really happened or why I had my knife out of the sheath. In the 1980s, I was married and living in Dora, Michigan, about two hours south of my uncle's cabin. There were lots of woods and living in a nice house. One summer, in the middle of the night, we both woke from a sound sleep by what sounded like a woman screaming at the top of her lungs. My wife was terrified when she asked me if I heard that. Knowing she'd had heard it, and I wasn't dreaming, I jumped up, put my pants on, and grabbed my pistol. Whatever it was started screaming again, and I ran into the woods. I was shining my flashlight all over, but not seeing anything. I stopped and stood still for a long time, and slowly walked back to the house. I told my wife it was probably a rabbit getting caught by a fox or coyote and never spoke about it again. That scream that we heard that night was no rabbit or owl, and I've heard them both. Let me tell you about an unforgettable adventure that Stan Rudd, my good friend, experienced in the depths of the Calmeopsis wilderness in Oregon. We were on a quest for something precious, something that had captivated our imaginations for years, the legendary lost Indian gold mine. Little did we know that our journey would take an unexpected turn into the realm of the mysterious and unknown. Accompanied by Stan's trusted companion, Nilato, we ventured deep into the wilderness, our hearts filled with anticipation and the allure of hidden treasures. Our campsite was nestled among towering trees, a sanctuary amidst the untamed beauty of nature. To safeguard our food from the prying paws of bears, we devised a clever plan. We strung up a freshly caught deer, suspending it a lofty eight to nine feet above the ground. Nightfall embraced the wilderness, casting an eerie blanket over the landscape. The air was thick with anticipation as we settled into our makeshift shelter, the crackling fire providing a comforting glow in the darkness. However, our peaceful slumber was abruptly shattered by a blood-curdling growl that pierced through the night. Fear gripped our hearts as we strained to discern the source of the menacing sound. Shadows danced in the flickering firelight, amplifying the tension in the air. The growling grew louder, filling the silence with an undeniable presence, and our minds raced to comprehend the danger lurking just beyond our camp. Dawn broke, revealing a scene of utter devastation. The deer we had carefully hoisted above the ground, out of reach from the jaws of bears, had been decimated. Only its severed legs remained a grisly testament to the night's events. Something powerful and savage had infiltrated our sanctuary, leaving behind nothing but remnants of our hopes for a bountiful feast. But what truly baffled us was the discovery nearby, an imposing mound of fecal matter unlike anything we had ever seen. It stretched two feet in length and boasted a thickness of about four inches. Its presence sent shivers down our spines, a silent message from an enigmatic force that had crossed paths with us in the night. The incident occurred in the fall a few years back, yet its memory lingers vividly in our minds. It serves as a reminder that the wilderness holds secrets we may never fully comprehend. Our search for gold had unwittingly led us to a confrontation with the unknown, leaving us humbled and in awe of the untamed forces that roam these remote lands. To this day, 
Stan and I recount this tale with a mix of trepidation and fascination. The lure of hidden treasures may have brought us to the Kalmyopsis wilderness, but it was the encounter with the unexplained that forever etched its mark upon our souls. So a few years ago, I went camping with my dad about a quarter mile off the trail. As we were cooking food, a baby bear wandered into the small clearing. We were a bit freaked out, but it was probably more scared of us, so it wandered away. Important later. We left the campsite to hike a bit, and when it started to get dark, we traveled back to our campsite. We realized we hadn't marked it in any way and spent a while looking for it. We heard some growling, like really loud, and we freaked. We started to walk on the trail after the car with my dad holding our only flashlight. We hear a growl closer this time. Not super close, but close enough. We started to run. By then, it was pitch black other than the flashlight. As I ran, I heard my dad drop the flashlight. He found it, but only one of the batteries was still in it. I was thinking this definitely felt like a basic horror plot. We ran pretty fast the few miles back to the car and drove home. We came back the next day and searched all day. Couldn't find it. We came back the next weekend still couldn't find it. The next weekend, my dad went by himself and found it. He brought the stuff home. The tent had claw marks through it, and all the food that we hadn't yet hung in a tree was eaten. I remember it vividly, the strange events that unfolded after the sightings of the monstrous creature in West Virginia. It was a summer to remember filled with mystery and intrigue. My name is Mark, and I was one of the witnesses to the creature's presence. It all started on the 12th of June, when Kathleen May and a group of teenagers reported seeing a ten-foot-tall monster. The news spread like wildfire, and everyone in the small town was buzzing with excitement and fear. Little did we know that this was just the beginning of a series of bizarre occurrences. The next day, the Snitowski family also claimed to have encountered the same monstrous being. The entire community was on edge, and rumors and speculations ran wild. People were desperate for answers, searching for any clues that could shed light on the mystery. Then, out of nowhere, two men appeared in Braxton County, posing as peddlers. They went from house to house, selling pots and pans, but something about their demeanor seemed off. They showed little interest in their merchandise, quickly shifting the conversation towards the sightings. It was as if they were on a mission to gather information. Curiosity got the better of me, and I invited the peddlers into my home. As they demonstrated their pots and pans, they began steering the conversation towards the monster's sightings. They asked probing questions, trying to extract every detail from my account. It was clear that they were not your average peddlers. Their true purpose was to uncover the truth behind the sightings. Hours passed as we delved deeper into the strange occurrences. They seemed genuinely intrigued by the sightings and showed no signs of leaving any time soon. It was both captivating and unnerving to have them hanging on to every word I said. I couldn't help but wonder what their true intentions were. As the evening wore on, the conversation took a more intense turn. They shared their own theories and speculated about the nature of the creature. It was as if they possessed insider knowledge, leaving me both fascinated and uneasy. Who were these men? 
And why were they so invested in the Satans? Eventually the peddlers bid me farewell, their pots and pans untouched. They left as mysteriously as they had arrived, leaving me with more questions than answers. I live very rural area in eastern North Carolina. The county has roughly 20,000 people, but they are roped into five communities, and most of the remaining area is just miles of open fields or forests. Two stories. First, my family owns about 40 acres of forest land behind my house. Growing up, I would always go explore the woods with friends after school. I've walked a good majority of that land. Fast forward two years when we're logging the land. I'm driving home and I see police cars everywhere. Turns out the loggers found body remains in our woods, which had been there for about ten years. The theory was that he walked down the railroad track that passes through our land and killed himself in our woods. Incredibly lucky that I didn't stumble upon the body as a kid. Side note, the more I think of it, our land is fickety fed up. One cell farm, seven normal family deaths in the house. Second, there is a place called Diamond City out in the most rural part of our county. Although it's called a city, it's anything but. Here's a brief explanation of the city as well as the phenomena. Approximately five miles from the nearest paved road, Diamond City is a network of dirt roads way deep into the woods. There's long been a legend of the Diamond City lights that you can see in the woods. I've always been amazed at legends like this, so naturally I go explore it with friends. We go deep into the trail, cut the car off and flash the lights. Waiting for anything. Being that far away from civilization with no signal and surrounded by pitch black woods is an incredibly eerie feeling. We sit there in silence until one night I see far down the path a small flicker of light. It then begins to grow and roll toward the car. We wait, and the orb of light grew and grew until it disappeared. For a second, it was like time itself stopped. Then I see light from behind the car. I hesitantly turn around and see the ball rolling away at the same speed at which it arrived. I'm not sure if seeing it is creepier or the thought that it went right by us. I'm Andy, a forest ranger in Sequoia. My duty was to protect the national park. So one day I received a tip about illegal activities taking place within a small section of the woods. Specifically, I was informed about a drug lab hidden deep in the heart of the wilderness. Armed with this information, I knew it was my responsibility to investigate and ensure the safety of the park and its visitors. Reading the coordinates scribbled on the note, I decided to scout the location myself before involving the police. It was already nighttime when I arrived at the designated area, parking my jeep just outside the wood. The darkness enveloped the surrounding trees, casting long, eerie shadows that danced with every flicker of moonlight. Determined to uncover the truth, I embarked on foot, my flashlight piercing through the darkness ahead. The air was heavy with anticipation as I navigated the unfamiliar terrain. Relying on my knowledge of the park's trails and my instincts as a ranger, the sounds of nocturnal creatures and rustling leaves served as a haunting soundtrack to my journey. As I pressed forward, my attention was suddenly captured by an unusual green light. 
It flickered in the distance, drawing me closer with an irresistible curiosity. I cautiously made my way toward it, my heart pounding in my chest. To my astonishment, the source of the light revealed itself to be a figure. A banshee-like apparition, or perhaps a young girl with an ethereal presence. Her gaze met mine, and in that moment I felt an eerie connection. I cautiously called out, Hello! But she remained silent, her head turning slowly to face me. Her smile was unsettling, almost satanic in nature. And just like that, she vanished before my eyes, leaving me stunned and questioning the reality of what I had witnessed. Shaking off the encounter, I continued my mission to locate the supposed drug lab. However, upon reaching the designated area, I found no trace of any illegal operation. It was as if the information I had received was fake or diversion, much like the mysterious figure in the woods. As I made my way back to my cabin, the events of the night replayed in my mind. What was the meaning behind that unearthly encounter? Had I stumbled upon something beyond the realm of the natural world? Or was it simply a trick of the imagination? An illusion born out of the darkness and my own weariness? This was our second Sasquatch sighting as a group. I and two other friends live in British Columbia, Canada. We've had a previous frightening sighting of a Sasquatch that visited us in the deep forest at our campsite. But this time was in the sand dunes. We go there for spring break sometimes with our motocross bikes. After a long day of play in the dunes, we resorted to hanging out at the campsite. As we were sitting at the table, I noticed a large figure in the darkness, walking in the middle of the road. I told my friends, and we walked towards the figure. It never made a noise, not even sounds of walking. I clearly saw the figure walk directly out on the road, and then it disappeared out of view. I don't think it was a person for a number of reasons. First of all, it was so dark that only the moon and residual light from campsites lit the area. Farther away it was pitch darkness, and the overnight temp was below freezing. This was a startling experience. Our first experience with the Sasquatch scared us very badly. It was stalking us in the bush. We watched it as it was watching us from roughly 10-15 feet away, just sitting there watching us. We could clearly see it. We sat there on a log by the fire, terrified. My friend Dan came up with a plan to scare it away. We slowly added more wood to the fire for more light. Jamie and I grabbed burning tree limbs from the fire as Dan jumped on his 250 and hit the kickstart and popped the clutch. As soon as the motor kicked over, the Baja headlamp turned on. The light was on the Sasquatch that was mortified. You could see its facial expression. It was now terrified as we were. Jamie and I jumped up yelling with the logs and fire. Dan then rode his bike right up to hit, trying to hit it. The Sasquatch freaked out and ran down the trail. We regrouped by the fire and tried to come up with an exit plan. We had ridden in on dirt bikes. Only one had a headlight. And the trail was too tight to ride in formation. We waited to first light to leave. As soon as there was enough light to see in the trails, we packed up and left. No one has believed us since. Only one other person has experienced with Jamie and Dan. A year after our first encounter, Jamie and Dan took a friend, Jared, to the same campsite to shoot off fireworks for New Year's. They rode in on two dirt bikes, both with headlights. 
As they were shooting off the fireworks and the area was silent, when not using fireworks, they could hear what would logically be a blue gross mating call, somewhat of an ump noise. They heard the noise all night long, didn't think too much about it. It became louder and louder. Then they heard the bushes moving, and then something ran by them at close range. It ran into Jamie's bike, knocking it over on the side of the kickstand. They lit off all their fireworks in every direction. They had backpacks full, as one prepped the bikes. Then Jared and Dan doubled on Dan's bike, and Jamie, whose bike was knocked over, couldn't get his bike started. The electric start was turning over and over, and he said he had the sense of something walking up behind him. Then his bike started. He pinned the throttle wide open, two-stroke motor, dumped the clutch and rode off at a motocross speed. Since then, we're a little paranoid of camping there again. One of the scariest experiences of my life was in Tampa, Clearwater, Florida. I had to go get someone and help them move away. We were stalked by a Scientologist. No joke, I would go on the porch to smoke, and they had a person watching us from the window next door. Hoody up, barely any light, and just stood there staring the whole time. I didn't even see them move at all. I was scared to even go to sleep. When we went out into town, they would follow us around. I couldn't even tell you everything that happened, from having random numbers screamed at me and being overall strained. I would rather deal with anything the backwoods can throw at me rather than that cult. So if you want a terrifying experience, just make Scientology mad low. I live in the backwoods and feel way safer here than I ever did there. Well, that's my scary Florida experience. <laughs>